0: Welcome to Common Ground, a talk show encouraging debate and a deeper understanding of hot-button topics in Berlin and beyond. I'm your host, Soraya Serhati-Nelson. This week, we have a special episode with guest host Abigail Megenson. She's an American public radio journalist who has been part of our Common Ground Berlin team these past three months. Abby, you made an interesting, if uncomfortable, discovery when you first came to Germany earlier this year.
1: Yeah, that's Right was the widespread use of Native American imagery in movies, ads, and even at parties and festivals. In the U.S., we've gone through a sort of reckoning with our treatment of Native Americans and the pain that cultural appropriation causes. So I was shocked when I saw someone wearing a traditional headdress worn by Plains tribes as a costume for Carnival, which is the German version of Mardi Gras. As it turns out, there's a long history of German fascination with Native Americans dating all the way back to the 18th century. Joining us today via Zoom to tell us why is Renee Watchman, who co-wrote Indie Enthusiasm, a book about indigenous people's response to German enthusiasm for native people. She's a member of the Navajo and Cherokee tribes and is teaching indigenous literature and indigenous film in Kiel this summer. Welcome, Renee. Hi. Thank you for the welcome. (laughs) Also joining us on Zoom is Florian Schleberg. He chairs the Karl May Gesellschaft, an organization dedicated to the memory of the German author Karl May, whose prolific work on the, quote, American Indian is a key reason for German interest in Native Americans. He's a professor of historical linguistics at Regensburg University. Welcome, Florian.
2: Hello. Good morning.
1: I want to go back to the start here. How did this fascination or interest in Native peoples begin in Germany? Um, can I introduce myself first? I thought you were just introducing me, but I don't feel comfortable
3: just jumping into this without a formal and Navajo introduction. Yeah, I introduced myself in Dinepizad, which is the Navajo language. And I said, which means essentially translates to good morning, but it means everything is good today. If this were a listening audience of Navajo people, um, you would have recognized that I introduced myself by my four clans, beginning with my mother's mother's clan, which is means bitter water people, and I'm born for the towering house people. I'm also Jalagi or bird clan from the Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma through my maternal grandfather. And my paternal grandfather is red running through the water people. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for that introduction, Renee. I really appreciate it. Can we go back to the start here? How did this fascination and interest in Native peoples begin in Germany? I think
3: you got to have ask Germans. <laughs> I mean, um,
1: you know, as you had introduced, you
3: know, it has a long history back to the 18th century. But I would say even longer history, you know, back to quote unquote contact, you um, and discovery that's where the air quote should be actually um, of the western hemisphere in the 15th century so i mean it depends on how far you want to go back but eventually essentially um you know stories and visual depictions of um, other peoples across the worlds were being shared widely first by you know uh, woodcuts and and other imagery and um and as people um wanted to know more and we speed up into the 19th century then we can uh, see the early 19th century then we can see you know the novels and dime books that i think that mr schleberg could talk more about but yeah i'm not quite interested in the the how because it resumes to happen i'm more interested in um what what the impacts are for indigenous peoples today
1: Florian, earlier I mentioned the German author Karl May. Can you tell us a little bit more about who he is and why his role is important for understanding Germany's fascination with Native Americans?
2: Yeah, Karl May is really a person who occupies a unique place in German cultural history. He has an amazing biography and an astonishing output. As an author and a thinker, he was very much a self-made man. He came from a very modest background. He never received a higher education. He served a few jail sentences for petty crimes in his youth, and then he worked his way up to a pop star existence, like idolized almost as a prophet by millions of readers, only to find himself socially stigmatized again when his, his youthful follies were brought to light by his opponents. And with his novel set in North America, he almost single-handedly created a sympathetic interest in and a culturally fertile image of Native American culture for generations of Germans.
1: Is there a Karl May story that's a favorite with Germans?
2: There is a Karl May story that has become almost immortal, which is the story of Winnetou, the Apache chief who became a blood brother from an enemy, uh, became a blood brother of the first-person narrator, and is the perfect hero uh, of German boys uh, of my generation, and he had been so for almost uh, a century. So everyone wanted to be Winnetou uh, when we played at being Native Americans uh, or Wild West stories.
1: But Karl May never actually went to the U.S., or at least a lot of these stories were not written. Well, he did.
2: He did very late in his life. So uh, obviously after that period he'd been describing was long over and a thing of the past. But in 1908, uh, he did travel to the United States. Uh, So that was the first real contact of his uh, with North American reality. Obviously nothing like what he had described in his novels.
1: But before he did go to the S, he was writing all of these stories about yep. the American West. Why did he have this fascination before this visit?
2: Well, he had a fascination with exotic settings uh, in very general terms. So his novels are set all over the world. He has a very strong influence also uh, on German understanding and knowledge of the Middle East uh, because uh, of the adventures of his first-person narrator Carabinense in those regions. And uh, amongst the areas where he set his novels, the North American cultural region was just one, but it was very influential because of the way he imagined himself. He was really a loser in life, basically, but he imagined himself uh, to be a hero. And uh, he found uh, enemies, obviously, usually uh, uh, morally objectionable Caucasian people. And he found friends all over the world in the native populations, like, for example, uh, in uh, Arabia or in uh, in the Apache community. So that was his way of coping with a very dire reality in his life.
1: And Karl May imagined himself as Old Shatterhand, right? Can you tell us a little bit about, about Old Shatterhand and Winnetou and how Carl Mai saw himself as this alter ego?
2: Yeah, so Old Shatterhand is just one of his alter ego uh, characters. It's the one he assumes in North America. He owes his uh, warrior's name to his ability uh, to shatter, that is, to uh, hit his enemies with a uh, a punch to the temples so they don't have to be killed, which would have been the standard solution in the world he describes. So uh, the first-person narrator never kills anybody without really uh, desperate needs. He usually prefers to just knock them unconscious uh, and so he can try to win them over to the good side. Uh, Winnetou starts out as his enemy, because the first-person narrator comes into the United States um, uh, with a railway company, so basically a thief of lands. But he's, again, won over by his Apache friend, to the point of view of Native Americans, and that he eventually is uh, accepted into the tribe of Winnetou as a chief, and the two become blood brothers and develop into a team of rescuers, of everyone innocent who has fallen victim to a crime in the Wild West.
1: Renee, what are your thoughts on Karl May and some of his works? Again, I don't like to center Karl May or his works, so um, I find it all
3: just just, just problematic. I mean, again, there is um, so many people, as uh, Florian has said, that are influenced, but my my experience uh, with that readership is one that is... I guess no longer No longer is probably an, an, an overgeneralization, but at least my students here in Kiel and um, and other places, like the 30 and under crowd, you know, uh, don't read Karamai, but they do see that their parents maybe have, but of course their grandparents did. And so, you know, just the fact that Florian gave you the example of railroads. Well, we have to understand, you know, why railroads were being developed. I mean, the displacement of lands of indigenous people's lands is Completely problematic, and it was a colonial and capitalist system that not only displaced indigenous land, but you know they went to any means in reality to uh, acquire that land. So you know we, we're talking deaths of indigenous peoples, cultural genocide of indigenous peoples, et cetera, and so forth. And the fact that um, Mai decked out uh, vinitu as a as a Sioux or a Plains uh, indigenous person. Uh, from a time, you know, that's pre-reservation, quote-unquote, is, um, you know, it's all in, inaccurate, so it's very pie-in-the-sky type of reading. It's hard to read. I mean, I read Carl May in, in translation, and that was harder to read. I don't know if it was a poor translation, but, you know, when you have your supposed hero, you know, sounding like a um, an illiterate gruff who ends everything he says with, uff, uff, it's quite insulting. It's quite diminishing of us as um, Indigenous peoples and all of our brilliant diversity that we are and were, I suppose.
2: Can I say something on this?
3: Yes, yes, please.
2: I would have to emphasize here that Vinnetu is not uh, a savage. Vineto yeah? uh, does undergo a development in the works of Karl May, but uh, in the end, he's practically the perfect gentleman. Actually, the subtitle of my first Perfect to by normal.
1: whose standards, though? These are, you know,
3: Christian Honestly, standards.
2: No, you are right. You're right. But that's the only
1: first, way. Really... Well, let's. I I want to, Renee. I want to give Lauren a chance to just complete a statement, and then you can definitely respond to it.
2: Obviously, Kalmai was unable to describe Native American reality. Uh, his Wild West is an imaginary world, obviously, but he does address all those topics you just mentioned, Renee. So he addresses the genocide. He addresses the exploitation of natural resources. He addresses the fact that the Red Men, as he still called them, were victim to a huge injustice, a systemic uh, injustice by the uh, Yankee civilization. So he was not, of course, a scholarly, a student of Native American culture, his sources were very dubious and much of what he imagines has very little to do with reality. But what he did do is that he almost single-handedly created a sympathetic interest in Native American culture for us. And that does make us sensitive to the issues you just mentioned, which, of course, we have an entirely different view on one and a half half centuries later.
1: Okay. And you would you like to respond to that comment? responding to um, the comment that he was a perfect man and i'm thinking and
3: i I said by whose standards i mean he's being measured by a christian ethic and a christian measuring stick and i think we're incommensurable so i don't buy that because again you have to understand the history of um, well let's look at today's news if you go to today's news you're seeing that residential schools are unearthing unearthing rather several mass graves, which should, you know, ring volumes in in this context over here of children. And how did those children get there? Well, because of the church. So I don't um, put Christianity at, you know, this elevation of perfection.
1: Okay, and Florin, I have a question for you. Karl May has had fans across Germany over the years, and one of them was Adolf Hitler. Nazi children's literature spoke about the affinity between Germans and, quote, Indians. Florian, how does your organization deal with this connection between Mai and Hitler?
2: Well, this connection is uh, not a very direct one. It's an old legend that uh, Karl Mai was the favorite author of Adolf Hitler. And we do know that Hitler uh, cherished some of the works of Karl Mai. And he also had accepted that cult uh, of Winnetou as the ideal leader uh, of a warrior clan, for example. But if Adolf Hitler had really read Karl May's later works, especially uh, what he wrote in the last decade of his life, where he developed a literary style that was much more modern than the traditional narrative, and uh, he became a harsh critic of colonial exploitation and the champion of understanding between cultures on the eve of World War I, I think Adolf Hitler could never have accepted the program that Karl May gave himself uh, after decades of development as an author. So we do know there is some connection in all of German cultural history. I mean, uh, there are lots of strains that uh, flow together to create that age of barbarian uh, aggression uh, that came to pass in the 1930s and 40s. But Karl May is certainly not one of the guilty uh, authors to feed ideas to Adolf Hitler.
1: During the Cold War, many states in East Germany had plays where Germans dress up and reenact battles between, quote, cowboys and Indians. Renee, can you talk a bit about what role these plays had in German society on either side of the wall, and how exactly did it start?
3: Um, Again, I'm not going to center German people. Um, Our book, Indian Enthusiasm, Indigenous Responses, is about indigenous people who either lived here, worked here, or visited Germany and came into contact uh, with Germans who were, you know, uh, parading around. And so, um, you know, essentially what we all, I think uh, collectively, the 13 of us, uh, 12 interviews and myself, um, what we think is that there are some very positive things to say about Indian enthusiasts. Um, And while there's a whole well-founded body of literature and scholarship about people playing Indian, quote, unquote, on both sides of the pond, um, you know, our book is essentially, you know, putting them, you know, uh, meaning putting Indigenous peoples at the center of this conversation because what doesn't exist is how we have been, you know, welcomed and greeted and for the most part, I think it's quite astonishing when um, common German citizens are walking around and maybe yourself, as you said, you saw somebody dressed up in a, in a headdress, which the Dene would call a feathered cap. It's all of those things. I'm not taking that away. And I can't speak for this person that's wearing one either, but there are so many diverse ways that people can, quote unquote, play Indian. And when I say diverse in this sense, I don't mean good. I just mean, you know, there's tens of thousands of ways people have done that, you know, historically in the US, in Canada, um, and of course, not just in Germany, but in Russia, in France, in England, you know, it's all over the place. And that is, you know, what is quite baffling, I suppose. And I don't, um, I've come to the fact that I can't dismiss them because there's a great handful whom I respect and who don't, you know, just um, go nilly-willy and say that, you know, this is for fashion. You know, that's, that's a different crowd that I don't deal with, so.
1: Well, in the book, were there, what were the reactions from some of the Indigenous people that you interviewed to the plays in Germany?
3: Of the people we interviewed, um, only one had been to these um, outdoor air festivals, and that was Drew Hayden Taylor, and he subsequently made a, um, a documentary about it, and it's called The Search for Vinitu, which is on CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting System, if you'd like to uh, check it out. And basically, there was one person, he is Tsutena from the, what is now called the Tsutena Nation, just outside of Calgary. He actually performs at a, it's not a, it's not a show, but it's not a, like a, an open air show, but it's a, a fixed Wild West show outside of Berlin. And, um, you know, lives and works here, you know, full time. And ultimately, it's just about having conversations with these people and trying to understand why it is they do what they do. And while many I would like to dismiss and just tell them to stop, you know, that's it's not that simple, especially when they've invested their lives and their careers trying to respectfully understand beyond Carl Mai. I mean, you know, that was just, they're they're old enough to know that those were, you know, fantasy stories that had no grounding in reality. But most of um, the people whom I respect and don't admonish have long histories of contact, back and forth with families, um, learning what they do, et cetera, and so forth. I'm not talking about maybe the headdress person that you saw.
1: And for Florian, I want to ask about these plays that are still performed across Germany. For example, the annual Karl Mayspieler in berg Um Are these plays different nowadays? And if so, how?
2: Yes, they are. And I'm not an expert in that field, but uh, those festivals do attest to the continuing appeal of the characters and motives uh, of Karl May's tales. While his books are, Renee said that correctly, are obviously being read rather less than a generation ago. I sometimes wish the thousands of visitors of those uh, Winnetou events were more aware of how much more Karl May has to offer than just reenactment. They they have changed because they're now much more sensitive to the cultural issues that Renee has just raised. May I ask a question? Um, uh, Renee? would it have been better uh, in your opinion, if Germans had no interest at all in Native American culture, rather than the simplified and distorted, but still hugely positive, almost tender-hearted image that Karl May gave them?
3: Well, I think that, you know, given that there are more important things for indigenous peoples to solve and to figure out um, on our own what's happening, you know, on the other side of the world, it's, I don't think that's a that's a fair question, I mean, because then other people are interested, like I said, huge Russian following, huge Czech following, huge, you know, French following, huge, you know, UK following. And when I say following, I mean, you know, Indian enthusiasts from all of these different um, nations, again, well written about. I think that what I would prefer, I guess, as I've written in the book is that. I would prefer not to see our caricatured um, images in, you know, the grocery store at Etica or wherever I'm shopping and for no reason either, you know, there's just like suddenly there's a teepee there or something. I would love to see Condor, you know, not use the image of um, a peace pipe for don't smoke in this plane. But again, it's, they host, a, they have actors playing parts and a particular actor is playing Vinitu, And of course, this actor is in Red Face, so it's not, there's just we're reduced to a fiction, we're reduced to a caricature. And we have those problems in the US as well. I mean, we as in a collective, huge collective indigenous people that I'm actually not directly part of, just, you know, after decades, got the Washington NFL team to change their mascot. And, you know, know, those are huge things because um, when you're isolating diverse peoples. I mean, there's 365 bands, not including the Métis and Inuit north of the medicine line in Canada. There's 374 indigenous federally recognized tribes in, in the U.S. I mean, we're talking millions of people reduced to a fetish. That's, you know, that's
1: problematic. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll hear more about Indian enthusiasm in Germany. Stay tuned.
0: Hello, this is Abby, presenter and co-creator of Berlin Briefing. Do you find yourself having trouble understanding the news of the Hauptstadt, usually presented in German? If so, Berlin Briefing can help. We curate local top stories and present them in an 8-10 to minute podcast in English every Monday through Friday. You can find us at BerlinBriefing.de or wherever you get your podcasts. X-Jazz Festival is back. I'm Soraya Serhati Nelson, host of Common Ground Berlin, which is a proud partner of this festival in the German capital that began in 2014. This year, it features more than 250 international acts performing jazz, modern classical, electronica, and so much more. So why not come to one or all of the 80 plus concerts over four days, beginning on Wednesday, May 4th, in the Kreuzbach neighborhood of Berlin? For details on the performances and the festival, go to www.xjazz.net.
2: The Germany Experience Podcast, where foreigners share their experiences of living in Germany.
0: Supermarkets here drive
1: me insane. But I just said, what are you staring at?
2: No, stop it. Stop it. She's
1: (laughs) crying. There was a shepherd leading a flock of sheep
0: (laughs) down the street. And they give us some advice. Find ways to stay connected to home. Learn
3: how to drive through the roadworks. If you really want to connect with people, learning the language is the key to that.
2: The Germany Experience Podcast. Life in Germany through the eyes of outsiders.
1: Welcome back to Common Ground Berlin. I'm Abigail Megenson and joining me today are Renee Watchman, co-author of Indie Enthusiasm. And Florian Schleyberg of the Karl May Gesellschaft. Before the break, we talked about where Germany's fascination with Native Americans comes from. Now we're going to discuss more about what it looks like today and whether ideas about Native peoples in America are evolving here. Renee, do Germans who you've encountered actually know about Native American history in the U.S. and Canada and what is widely seen as their genocide? No, not really. Um, again, I'm here at the University of Keele. I was
3: invited as a, um, a visiting guest professor um, for their English seminar, and um, basically, invited profs insert their own areas of um, expertise or interest into predetermined modules that their master's students go through. And I say that because um, obviously, students don't know what they're going to get, you know, through every cycle of a visiting prof. And so, I'm teaching Indigenous uh, literatures north of the medicine, what is known as Canada, and also Indigenous film, and so. In North America alone, I always have to take the first two weeks to really slow down and unpack some of the um, necessary and the requisite context—historical, cultural, political, and social. Uh, here, I'm finding that you know not only is that stuff completely unknown, but just the, the wealth of uh, you know if we want to think of literary authors who are indigenous from northern. Uh, North America, but, you know, specific to Canada. I mean, I told the students, look outside, you know, if you can see stars at night, that's the constellation of authors we're talking about. And for our class, we're only reading three. So, you know, it's just barely scratching the surface and the same goes for film. Um, So yes. And again, all of the novels, I think that there isn't (laughs) a novel or a film that I can think of that doesn't reflect the um, the effects of colonization or the resilience and constant fight for resurgence or restoration among our peoples so no that's the the short answer is no no they don't know
1: okay and in carl my stories as we talked about before the break the native characters are always the good guys and that's not always the case in american old west stories Why is that and does that make the German plays and stories less offensive in your opinion?
2: Okay, well, uh, if I can center on Karl May just uh, for a second again, um, obviously what he creates is uh, a world in which he takes refuge from the misery of his real life. So what he creates is an imaginary world and he needs to find himself in a setting uh, where there is no cultural obstacles uh, to his own greatness because he was really a little... A miserable guy at home. So when he went abroad in his imagination, he created a world where he was the hero. And uh, the foreign world he encounters, the foreign reality, is a way for his hero to overcome obstacles. And it's typically genuine appeal, he feels, to exotic uh, nature and extra European cultures that creates that imaginary atmosphere that he needs to assert himself in his imagination. So uh, Native Americans, as well as the the inhabitants uh, of the desert uh, in the Middle East, they are typically characters uh, not yet distorted by civilization. They are characters that show some genuine, humane values and he can deal with them uh, without the obstacles of the uh, the reality of the Kaiserreich he left at home.
1: And Florian, for these plays that we had talked about a little before, why not just use actual native performers instead of well, they, Germans?
2: To some extent, uh, they do, as far as I know. Yeah, Renee has a very much a North American perspective. I think the situation is is rather different for a German uh, native when uh, they think of Native American culture. Enthusiasm is not just uh, running around with red faces and feather caps. There is professional scholarship. There are amateur scholars really interested in historical reality. And these are largely inspired by the legacy of Kalmai. The Kalmai Museum at his villa near Dresden is dealing with their past. They are in contact with Native American institutions. They are inviting Native American scholars. And I do think there has been some improvement in the authenticity uh, of those plays. They are now inviting people who can perform, for example, Native American songs or dances authentically so as to give their audience an idea of what the reality behind those uh, fictional settings actually was like. Obviously, not every actor can be a Native American, but there is some improvement, I think, in that direction.
1: Renee, what's your reaction to that? Do you see this as cultural appropriation? when people red face um it can be yes absolutely i'd like to go
3: back i'm very dear friends for with um dr Fokma marconza and his family so he is the director of the Karamei museum in radeboil and it isn't a new phenomenon that they are bringing in as you say dancers to show authenticity as a matter of fact after after the fall of the wall it was even more expensive to do so so they actually stopped doing i was in two different iterations of a group that he invited, um, and this is not authentic in the way that it shows, like I'm Navajo, I introduced myself, we don't do Navajo dancing, he invited powwow dancers, which is totally different, it feeds into the stereotype, and granted that was in, God, I have to go back to 2001, 2002, maybe 2003, maybe 1999, don't even know, 2001, can't remember, but <laughs> 20 years ago, um, as an avid powwow dancer myself, who has family, who's both sings and dances we know the distinctions with what it is we do in terms of powwow culture versus our own culture and so for my case it's Diné or navajo um, so i would say that it's a falsehood to say that what they do is authentic because i've done it and um I understand, though, that they they have made amends and while NAGPRA, which is the Native American Graves and Protection Act only exists in the United States, there are some museums like the Kalamai Museum who have, you know, despite how difficult it was, repatriated items because for museums and museum culture to kind of find a, um, a source owner of these things is very difficult and frustrating for them. I'm not saying I understand it, but I'm commending, you know, at least the Carl May Museum for returning some sacred cultural items in in the recent past. But I think that when we're talking about anyone depicting what they think is authenticity through a non-Indigenous lens that yeah, yeah, as It can be, you know, um, appropriation, because they are essentially parading as something they're not. And I realize that's a fine line between actors and um, cultural appropriators or appreciators. But I mean, that's why this is such a messy issue. You know, I've been dealing with this having come back and forth to Germany for the past 32 years. And I'm, I'm at the point to letting a younger generation try to figure it out because it's always felt like a I'm hitting a, a brick wall.
1: Florian, does German's fascination with Native American culture say something about Germany's own troubled history?
2: course, I mean, we're talking about the projection. Yeah? The question of authenticity is just one side of it. I don't think there's ever a chance to make the image of any culture in any other culture as differentiated as the real thing is. We always live with simplifications. I mean, how can a normal person uh, in modern Europe have a, an authentic or realistic idea of all the diversity of Native American culture that René just described? And what we need is some simplification to deal with. And I'm still arguing that a sympathetic simplification is better than a complete lack of interest. Uh, what we do always is symptomatic of who we are. It's not just about the other, it is also about ourselves. There is the huge debate on Orientalism, uh, the depiction of the Middle East and Islam in European culture in the 18th and 19th century. Obviously, this is not so much about the Orient, it's very much about Europe. And in the same sense, the fascination of Germans uh, with Native American culture shows the need of germans uh, to get out of their of the reality of industrialized society uh, all the all the misery of everyday life to project themselves into a world of freedom and a world of of nature uh, of simpler customs and obviously what they do is they create a world according to their own needs and they yes they do use foreign cultures to deck that world but again i would argue they're not trying to discriminate against them in order to feel better themselves. What they do is rather they idealize, they idolize the other uh, in terms of preserving their ideals in a less than ideal reality.
1: Renee, as a Native American woman, what do you wish more Germans understood about Indigenous people?
3: Well, I think that right there, what you said is um, problematic for me. I'm mean, i a Diné woman, I'm Navajo, and I'm an Indigenous person. Um, I shun i don't use the term native american i don't use the term uh because if you are born in the us you're native american and so i um that's one one thing is you know i just wish that if people are um, going to take um, a vested interest in who we are as a peoples then in this this isn't limited to germany it's limited to canada where i teach as well and to the us who's catching up people need to be to really hear why it is changes are being made, why it is that, you know, there are calls um, to action, at least in the Canadian context, to repair damage. And in that context, it's talking strictly about the residential school era, you know, um, ed- educating yourselves, you know, there's so much about us to know, to understand why we can't just, you know, laugh along and pat them on the back for playing us, because they don't have to live with all of the racism and the cultural genocidal baggage that we've
1: had to live through, that our ancestors had to live through um, to get to where we are today. Absolutely. And I definitely appreciate the correction. And I think it's important that we are all open to learning about this issue. We're out of time and have to leave it there. I'd like to thank my guests, Renee Watchman, co-author of Indie Enthusiasm, and Florian Schleberg of the Karl Mai Gesellschaft. I appreciate you taking the time out to be with us today.
2: Renée, it was fascinating for a linguist to hear language. Thanks, thanks to everybody for having me. I think Kalmai, if you lived today, would have agreed. Mm.
1: Yeah, thank you, Florian. Yeah,
3: um, Abigail and your team. Thanks for the invitation.
1: I'm Abigail Meggensen, and thank you for listening to Common Ground Berlin. Our senior producer is Dina El Sayed, and our social media editor is Stefano Montali. Common Ground Berlin is made possible through a grant administered by the German Ministry for Economic Affairs and Energy. Our partners are the German Marshall Fund of the United States and Goethe Institute. All of our podcasts are available wherever you get your podcasts, and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at CGBerlinPodcast. If you're on Apple, we'd love for you to write a review on Common Ground Berlin. You can also subscribe to and rate our podcast on Spotify. And be sure to check out our website, commongroundberlin.com.